You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to the Two Goalies, One Mike uh, NHL Trade Deadline Wrap-Up Show. Um, A lot of activity uh, to get to that I'm really excited about, not really excited about, indifferent about. But uh, we're joined here by a uh, previous guest from the episode 92 earlier today, uh, Ryan Jury with the OHL Guelph Storm play-by-play man, Carson Gates, Gatesy from Trainwreck Sports, and then Steve Linkowski, the urinating tree himself, uh, a guy that I've been uh, back and forth trying to get on uh, with us for a while. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of funny how uh, I came in contact with him. Oh, yeah. Somebody, somebody, uh, you know, kept on. I kept on getting tagged in tweets that I was, and I wasn't familiar with you before that. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I've seen your videos, but I didn't realize it was you before that. Ah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And uh, you, you, you use the phone call, the uh, the rants, I guess. Mm-hmm, that the end segment, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I messaged you. We, we linked up, and we, we, we back and forth for a while about having you on the show, and I'm glad we we're finally able to get this done, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on, man. No problem. So let's get right into it, man. Uh, the tr- you know I'm looking at the uh, NHL trade tracker, and just a lot of names moved today. Uh, as you know, pre-show, uh, you know, Steve, you mentioned that a lot of the bigger moves happened in the last 48 hours prior mm-hmm. to today, but, uh, just some names again, that we didn't expect to move like Ricard Raquel of the Penguins. Yeah. I, I expected him to go. Maybe like it was linked with Vegas. I believe I was hearing for, um, Evgeny Dadanov, who also has apparently been traded to the ducks, but, uh, that's still like in the. The thing apparently, like I was reading a tweet about um, Yarmo Kekalang saying there are like 33 trades still like locked in, but I think most of them have already been announced. It's just getting finalizing everything, so that'll probably end up happening over the next couple hours. I hope because I figure most of the stuff will be done by now. Yeah, you would think. I mean, uh, Ryan, you were on with the entirety of the show earlier today, and you know we had some reactions. You know, Sabers, you know our hometown uh, hometown team here. Uh, not doing anything, but uh, just your after an hour and a half of just kind of sitting back and taking it all in, uh, your reactions to the trade deadline and some of the moves that were made. I mean, I think it was pretty quiet given that, yeah, a lot of the bigger names had already moved on to other teams and, you know, the salary cap, I think, being stagnant for the last couple of years 
has really hindered some mm-hmm. teams ability to add significant pieces. There were still some big names that were shuffled around Max Domi, like at the wire uh, heads to Carolina and, you know, Florida getting involved in a three-way trade. There were, they're essentially retaining a quarter of that salary. Um, you know, and some people are a little confused as to why Florida would maybe potentially do that in terms of, assisting an Eastern Conference rival that they could play in the conference final. Um, I'm sure they won't be happy if Max Domi scores a game seven overtime game winning goal against them or something. But um, overall, I'm not, you know, too shocked with many of the moves. Raquel, I will agree with Steve. I I did not see the Penguins in the mix for a guy like Raquel, but it's a very Penguins-y move, isn't it? I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. they're going for it again. They want to try and go for it as long as uh, Crosby and Malkin are still there and still relatively healthy. You know, they find ways to do stuff like Mm -hmm. this. And uh, Brian Burke and Ron Hextall are savvy guys. They know what their team needs. They know the type of players that fit in well with Sid and Gino in terms of scoring. And Ricard Raquel is certainly a a piece that can help them do that. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury is the big fish that that flew today um, going to Minnesota. Uh, I am maybe a little surprised. Jacob Chikrin didn't get traded, but I think that Arizona is going to hold out and try and cash in on him and his value with that cap number at the draft. But Mm -hmm. overall, some teams definitely got better and some teams definitely didn't. Um, You know, I I certainly think the Maple Leafs, uh, the word is that they're frustrated that they weren't able to add more to their team today. And obviously they're not very happy that the Coyotes uh, took through waivers Harry Sateri that they signed out of the KHL. So a uh, frustrating day for teams like the Maple Leafs, but I think teams around them certainly in Canada got better, including Calgary. I think Calgary's had a very, very nice, not only trade deadline day, but just days leading up. And of course mm-hmm. they did a lot of their business earlier with guys like Toffoli, but um, they're the best team in Canada right now, in my opinion, but some teams definitely got better. It'll be interesting to see how all the trades shake out. How about you, Carson? How did you feel coming out of this? I mean, there's nothing too crazy, a little, almost a little disappointed. I mean, Buffalo kind of sat on their hands, and initially I was a little disappointed by that. But at the end of the day, a couple more mid-round picks for this team isn't really going to help us too much. I mean, we got some younger guys with those veterans we have currently. Maybe they can help them mature a little bit. We're finally hitting some strides. Four out of the last five games have been wins, which is, I don't know if I've been able to say that the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's been really, really nice. And so hopefully they can kind of build on that. And we lose guys to UFA, which is probably going to happen. You know, that's probably for the best. We can fill many of these younger guys. We have Paterka coming up, Quinn, Power. I mean, I'm pretty happy. But being here in Pittsburgh, it's like I was not expecting the Raquel move. And I'm really excited to kind of watch some games here with them. I don't know about you guys. you're, You're a Pittsburgh guy, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So how did you feel? Obviously, you saw the Raquel deal. Um, what, how do you feel about the Penguins moving forward? Obviously, they're kind of trying to push, they're push, they're pushing their mm-hmm. chips in the middle a little bit. There's always been uh, questions about Tristan Jarry and whether uh, you know he's ready to really handle the load going into a deep playoff run. Now, how did you feel about what they did? You know, the one move they did make really right up against the deadline, the 3 p.m. deadline. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you feel about you know what they did essentially today? I'd say the main thing they really needed was a backup goalie more than anything. I feel like the Smith's kind of shaky, especially in that he hasn't really found form. And they really have been running Jari into the ground. So the big fear is, like, he might implode again come playoff time because he's just gassed, you know, like the Evgeny Nabokov syndrome. 
I would say the one thing too, like with Ricard Raquel, what they want, they've been having issues gaining chemistry with Malkin and his line mates. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen has been ice cold. Like I think he scored something like one goal in like 25 games. Evan Rodriguez has cooled off from his white hot start. He's at like two and 30. And then Zucker's been injured. So what they're shooting for is stuff along the lines of, okay, we need somebody to help out Evgeny Malkin because Malkin and Latang are free agents at the end of the year. They still need to be resigned. They might be gone. So you're looking at a situation where, okay, this might be our last shot. We need to take care of something right now. And your situation is going to be, let's get Ricard Raquel. Uh, Zach Aston Reese is a decent fourth liner, but I mean, pretty give or take. He's like, he's, he's okay. Like, I mean, that's yeah. for the most part. Dominic Simone is like a take it or leave it kind of guy. Like, he cannot score. It's like he's usually plugged on a line, like a top six for whatever reason. He just has not put up points. So it's like, eh, he's, a, he's another piece to throw in to make sure the cap is lined up. Um, You did not give up a first round pick, which is big because this draft is pretty deep. It depends on the prospect. My guess would probably be like uh, a Semi Poulin or a Nathan Legary type. So, like, would be one of those, would be my guess. I'm looking – okay, so here's here's what I'm looking at at the uh, Ricard Raquel deal. Uh, going to Pittsburgh is Ricard Raquel, and going back to Anaheim is a 2022 second-round mm-hmm. pick, Zach ashton Reach and Dominic Simone. So you're hit the nail on the head there with that. And then the second-round pick, um, I, it isn't showing me here if there was any – there's no salary retained at all. So uh, it's just straight up, you know, Raquel for those three pieces. Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, for a team that's really looking to make one, la- uh, one last push at the cup, I'm, if I'm a Pittsburgh fan, like I'm happy with that. It's a decent move. I, as I said, the only thing I'd say is maybe like a backup goalie, but at the same time, like you'd probably be getting like a James Reimer and his price would probably be too rich. I agree. Uh, how, how did you feel about that return for, uh, for Pittsburgh, Ryan? I, I, for Anaheim. I, I think it's fine just based on the fact that they knew that Raquel was probably not going to be part of their long-term plan. He's going to get a significant raise on the $3.8 million that he makes. I mm-hmm. think he's probably going to land somewhere in the five to five and a half range wherever he signs. Um, and it probably won't be in Pittsburgh. But, I mean, Pittsburgh is in kind of another win-now mode. So it works out for both sides. And the return for Anaheim, they're just happy to kind of get any anything out of a guy that they knew was going to leave eventually anyway. So, I mean, the real prize for them is the second round pick Mm -hmm. as they continue to try and add young talent into that core of Drysdale, Zegris, John Gibson for as long as he's there. I personally wouldn't trade him. If they did, they could get a fortune for him, but he's still Mm -hmm. young enough. He's 28 years old. I mean, what do you need to trade a guy that's 28 years old for when he's already an elite goaltender? In my opinion, I think John Gibson's one of the best goaltenders in the league, to be perfectly honest. So, Anaheim, it's a win for them. And for Pittsburgh, they're going to get a guy who's proven to be an effective scorer. He's a big body, can bang and crash for them. And I think that, you know, like Steve mentioned, they're probably looking for him to try and get a spark between himself and Yevgeny Malkin and really bring that second line to life. Actually, 35% salary retained, just uh, just tweeted out by David Pagnota from the fourth period. Ducks retained 35% of the cap. Mm, probably That's to keep better. the salary cap in line. I, I know the prospect, it depends on who's coming back in that trade in return. We have not heard anything about that, unfortunately. So, no, no. I mean, and if it's a guy like, you know, a Kelly Klang or a Blomstrom or, you know, a Valtari Pustin, it's a bit of an overpayment. If it's somebody like, say, Nathan Legary or P.O. Joseph. Like, P.O. Joseph would be kind of a sting, but at the same time, it's like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Crosby and Malkin uh, are getting any younger. No, yeah. not at all. As I said, this is their last chance. I mean, Malkin I and Latang are free agents at the end of the year. Crosby's not going to want to be a part of a rebuild. They and and Rust is a free agent too, and he's. I think he's at least getting a seven by seven. So can, he's he's going to get paid. Could you ever see a world a hockey an NHL world where Sidney Crosby isn't a Pittsburgh Penguin? Maybe at the end of his career. I know he grew up a Canadians fan, so he might play a year or two there just to fulfill a childhood dream. But that's it. Yeah. And then uh, finally got a return on the Andrew Kopp deal. Um, I, I was uh, keeping an eye out for this. Andrew Kopp and a six-round pick in 2023 dealt to the Rangers in return for center Morgan Barron, a 2023 fifth-round pick, and two conditional second-round picks. One of the second-round picks can turn into a first if the Rangers win two rounds in the playoffs and Kopp plays 50% of the playoff games. The other second round pick can be Winnipeg's option in 20, 2022 or 2023. Um, did anyone expect a bigger return for that for the Rangers, uh, for, for, for Winnipeg in return for Cop, considering what we've seen, you know, you know, between guys like Brandon Hagel, what, what that return was and uh, amongst other players? That's relatively what I expected. I mean, Cop is a UFA at the end of the year. And, yeah. I mean, he's more or less going to fit in that bottom six. So I was expecting maybe like, you know, a Morgan Barron type to return to Julian Gauthier, maybe somebody to fill out the roster. The fact that they didn't give up a first-round pick unless they win two rounds in the playoffs, I mean, that's a pretty good deal for the Rangers. Like, I'm trying to figure out what Winnipeg's doing. Because at the same time, like, they did sell off some pieces like Andrew Kopp and, you know, Nathan Beaulieu, you know, for back. But they're out here, they're buying Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford. So I, I'm not getting oh. their game plan. Here, here, Here's some extra. In, in addition to that Ricard Raquel deal, Penguins have acquired Ricard Raquel from the Ducks in exchange for uh, for Zach Ashton-Reese and Dominic Simone, goaltender Callie Klang, Ooh. and a 2022 2022- Second round draft pick. So Klang. a goaltender added to that. That yeah, Kelly Klang. He was a third round pick a few years ago. So I'm not too familiar with him, and we know you know his ability and maybe his ceiling. Uh, but uh, another a goaltender also added to that deal going back to Anaheim. Yeah, Klang's having a decent year in Ruggle. He's like a uh, 9.15 save percentage. He'll probably be. They they drafted two goalies that year. They drafted Joel Blunkfist as well. So I'm guessing that's why they considered him expendable. Yeah. Because they had drafted um, Blunkfist in the second round that year, and he's having a good year in uh, Carpath. So I just looked it up. So that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, your thoughts uh, on that, Ryan? I still don't think it's that bad, to be perfectly honest. I mean, yeah, you're losing out on uh, a goaltending prospect that they rated pretty highly. And I know Ron Hextall was a big fan of him. And when he first took over as the GM in Pittsburgh, uh, mentioned him as part of a, you know, a key bit of their pipeline. That said, Jari is young. DeSmith, as long as he's still there, is fairly young. So they like they have a lot of belief in Jari. Like if you listen to interviews this year with Hextall and certainly Brian Burke, like they have a lot of belief in Tristan Jari. Like Brian Burke, anytime you listen to him and he talks about him, just you know says the best is yet to come. We still think that there's another level for him. So they they have a lot of belief in Jari. And if you have that much belief in him and you've got extra pieces at the goaltending position at, at other levels. I still don't think it's that bad of a return to get a guy like Raquel who can make a big difference for Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. As I said, they already they still Blunkfist, so I think that's why they yeah. consider him like an excessive good. Yeah, I agree. You you uh you Gatesy? 
And we lose him. Ah, he froze out. That happened to him earlier today, Steve. It's um, probably outdoors. Yeah, we, know, we, we started off the show uh, earlier today, and he was frozen right from the jump, and his face was up like this. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> one's even great. better, though. You should screenshot this one because he looks like Lou Diamond Phillips right now. With the He looks like Lou Diamond Phillips in Young Guns. That's a spectacular. He should make that his Twitter profile pic. Honestly, he should. Yeah, that's great. Hold Photoshop on. that bad boy. That's what you should got do. It. I got Diamond it. I got it. That's Phillips. fantastic. Oh, yeah, God. Gatesy I'm gonna call him that for the rest of the time. <laughs> and remove him. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe he's just done. I know he mentioned he had to get back to class, but uh, other other deals. Uh, you know that aside, other deals that were that were done today. On top of you know, obviously Mark Giordano done yesterday. You saw mm -hmm. him out of the room. You know, finally we moved to Florida. Kind of felt bad for Philly. It's hard for me to feel bad for the Flyers, but being a guy who kind of got fleeced in the Taylor Hall deal at the deadline last year. A player that really can control his own destiny with a no move clause, you know, would only would only go to Florida. So, you know, it really hampered that return for uh for the Flyers. I think they could have gotten a lot more, in my opinion, probably maybe from Colorado. I bet you mm -hmm. there was a better deal on the table from Colorado. Yeah, but, you probably uh, would have gotten Justin Barron and, and at least a second from that 100%, deal. Hundred percent. But uh other deal other deals done today, some future consideration deals, Riley Nash going to the lightning for future consideration mm -hmm. from Arizona. Uh, you know, some lower, another few, a lot of future considerations. Michael McGiven, goaltender to Ottawa for future considerations from Calgary. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, a center going to Calgary for a fifth round pick. Uh, another one that came in right at the, right at the, right at the end of the deadline was uh, Namistikov going to Dallas for a fourth round pick from Detroit. And then obviously we all know Max Domi uh, still to be announced uh, according to uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we still don't know the return going back to Columbus for Max Domi. Uh, I, I, I was starting to, to think that he wasn't going to get moved, and maybe that would be uh, – is he a UFA? I think he is, yeah. The return I was hearing was just Aiden Hreschuk. He was a third-round pick of Carolina a couple years ago. I think that's the only thing I've heard. Yeah. Your feelings on the, on the Max Domi deal, what you think the return should be, Ryan? I mean, I figured Max Domi would probably get maybe a second round pick at best if if the draft capital was going to be a part of it, right? But I mean, if they can get a prospect and essentially get anything in terms of a young project for a guy that I don't think was necessarily keen on re-signing in Columbus, nope. I, I think that for them to get anything and rest Chuck, you know, has had a solid college career and like he, he was a highly touted prospect. So I believe he plays for Boston College, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he, uh, you know, to get somebody of that ilk for a guy that probably didn't want to re-sign for your franchise, I think it's not bad for Columbus, who are just trying to piece together a new core of guys that they can build the future around. Yeah, and some AHL news, uh, you know, coming out from Kevin Adams of the Sabres. Some uh, Krebs, Samuelson, and Fitzgerald were moved down and then back up again. So... They are eligible for the age of us. I did listen to Kevin Adams post game or, you know, kind of the, his own wrap up of what happened today and why they didn't make any moves. And one of the reasons he gave was he didn't want to disturb the positive culture that was going on. And if the, and if the return wasn't worth what he felt would affect the chemistry in the room, then he wasn't willing to make that move, which I can, you know, we talked about it, Ryan, I can understand that. Um, another thing too was he what there were conversations of the Sabres being a third team to broker a trade in terms of like weaponizing their cap space, but unfortunately the uh, you know the, the, the two other teams involved just weren't able to get that done. 
Yeah, and uh, again, I I kind of agree with Kevin Adams. And, you know, it's interesting to note that the Sabres and Islanders are the only two NHL teams that have not made a trade the last two trade deadline days. Um, You know, and we all know what what old, uh, you know, Godfather Lou is like on the island. He he doesn't do anything he doesn't feel like doing. And then for the Sabres, again, I, I just feel like, you know, what we talked about on the last episode earlier this afternoon I just think that Kevin Adams, yeah, he, he likes what he's seeing from this young group right now in terms of building towards something positive and didn't feel like he was going to get anything of significance in terms of an immediate roster player now that's going to help them, you know, do anything down the stretch that's any different than what they're going to be able to do with the guys they have. And I think that he is, again, I said it at the end of the last episode, their phone is going to be extremely busy on draft day when, you know, team's cap picture for the next year starts to come into focus and they go, we can afford to keep this. We can't afford to keep this. And that's where the Sabres, who already have a lot of draft capital, three first round picks, they are going to be able to take advantage of somebody else's cap problem. And I, I think they're going to be extremely active on draft day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, obviously, uh, you know, you're again, you're more of a Penguins fan than anything, but you know, looking at the Sabres and what they've been this year, um, the ups and downs, obviously, the last month winning the for the last five big wins against uh, Jack Eichel and the Golden Knights and his return to Buffalo. Uh, we all know about the post game comments that kind of mm-hmm. set the world on fire. Um, and then that big win against the Leafs, which we all love to see, we all love to see the, the Toronto. <laughs> absolutely shit them shit their pants especially on a national stage at the heritage classic uh you know how have you felt about this team under rookie head coach uh don granado and kevin adams who initially when we brought him in was kind of thought to be a yes man for the bagula family but you know he has made some positive moves if you want to take away yesterday whether you feel that's positive or negative uh how did you feel about what he's done with this team as the gm and what Don Granado's been able to do with this group, guys like Tate Thompson and just other players that maybe kind of surprised has, has, and the reemergence of two of uh, Rasmus Dahl. Mm-hmm. I, the thing with Buffalo, at least for me, they're a lot better than they were last year, which, I mean, after considering how that was, you, there wasn't much else you could go besides up. I think they're on the right track. I think Granado's been the right coach for them so far. As you mentioned, Tage Thompson's really come into his own, which is huge because that at least salvages some semblance of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. You also have Jeff Skinner, who's having a resurgence as well, which was absolutely needed because he had negative value at some point. Kyle Poso's also come back a little bit. Darlene's starting to emerge into what you thought he'd be. Uh, Middlestad's coming into his own a little bit. Peyton Krebs has seemed like he's shown flashes. Alex Tuck is a good piece you can build off of as well. I know that's a long term as well. Um, my question is, once again, goaltending is something you'll probably have to fix over time. Craig Anderson, nice story with the 300 wins, but at the same time, I don't, he's not your long-term answer. Uka Pekka Lakonen, uh, UPL, uh, I mean, he's still in the minors. He's still developing, so you've got a little bit of time there. Your trajectory is probably not a year from now, but uh, maybe a year after. I do like Kevin Adams in his regard because, like, I thought they were going to get fleeced on the Eichel deal, especially with the issue about his shoulder surgery, about everything that happened in regards to the offseason, the chaos that had happened throughout. I I thought they got an okay return for what it was worth. I mean, you got a first, you got Krebs, you got um, another, I think, another pick as well, as well as Alex Tuck, who you could use to either flip or use as a regular roster player. 
We and... actually see we actually see Alex Tuck as the future captain of this team. Like he's actually he's actually from the area. He's from Western New York, and he flat out said in his uh, in, in, you know when he was his first press conference uh, as a Buffalo Saber, he said it's always been a dream for him to play for this team, and he's got a, quite a few years left on that contract. And mm-hmm. you know to see a guy to and I've said this a couple of times to see a guy who comes into this organization from where he was in Vegas and have a smile as big as his was from ear to ear, how excited he was. And like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't disappointed at all about being traded away from Vegas. He saw this as a good opportunity and a lifelong dream of his. And then you find out he lived next door to Tim Conley growing up, you know, like, like one of the, one of the most dynamic sabers oh, yeah. sports we've seen over the last 20 years, you know, his hand, absolute magic. Uh, with his hands and then you know you see he you start seeing pictures of him wearing the old goat head jersey out on the pond uh the old sabers red third jersey just all these things that we didn't even really realize about alex stuff he knew he was from the area but no one knew he was that big of a fan and to really see him like, take on the leadership role he's taken on from this team or initially we all would say you know it's probably gonna be dylan cousins the next captain of this team but i think right now alex tuck is leading that by a landslide at least for fans here in buffalo what you mentioned that absolutely i mean if you grew up next to tim Connolly, he probably saw those late 90s mid 2000s teams you saw some elite saber squads yes so that'd be my guess and also with the smile i mean vegas has always seemed like it was a bit chaotic over the past like couple years especially with all the constant turnover and how they keep trying to go after the big fish you know they went after petrangelo they cut flurry you know eichel so and might be a little bit of that West collateral as well. So, I mean, that's just me from the outside. I don't know what's going on in that locker room yet, but like Vegas, I mean, I've said they're in a little bit of trouble if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, from Chris Johnson, reporter Chris, it's 5.28 p.m. Eastern time, nearly two and a half hours post-deadline, and there are still teams on hold with NHL Central Registry to have their trades approved, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and yeah. then uh, if David Pagnota, if Kekalainen said – if what Kekalainen said was accurate, 33 trades were sitting currently at 28, unless Carolina, Columbus, Florida deal is considered more than one trade. So yeah, as you stated earlier, you know, there's still a lot left to you know make public in terms of the returns and some of the, maybe maybe even more to add on to some trades already existing. Mm-hmm. There might be a couple smaller trades that come through, but otherwise, I think most of the trades have already been announced. The big ones, at least. Yeah. But um, you being a Caps fan, Ryan, uh, we mentioned earlier, obviously, in the uh, in episode 92, you know, how did you feel about your team coming out? You know, Johan Larson being one of the names coming back. I forget the other one, too. You you obviously know. Uh, how did you Marcus, feel about your capital? Marcus Johansson Marcus, coming, yes. coming back to Mojo. the district. Yes, Mr. Mojo. He's back. It's going to be a little awkward because I guess that's Anthony Mantha's nickname, too. So they're going to they're going to have double Mojo in D.C. Uh, yeah, it's. um. I'm happy with it. Like at the end of the day, I think that, you know, flipping Sprong who, you know, had opportunities to kind of seize a top six role and never really did. He had a couple flashes, but he never really grabbed onto it the way that they thought he would. And then, you know, a couple picks, which are fairly inconsequential for the caps because they actually do have some good prospects in the cupboard and they didn't give any of those up. Mm-hmm. So to bring to lose Sprong, who does have talent, I think if he just clicks in the right situation, he'll get plenty of opportunity to play in Seattle. If he can't seize the opportunity in Seattle, he just might not be an NHL player. Yeah. 
But to flip him and bring a guy back that's, A, so familiar with the majority of the roster, is still friends with the majority of those guys, and will slide right back in with that Swedish contingent. I'm sure Nicholas Backstrom is happier than anybody. I think it's a really, really good move. He's a great penalty killer. He can contribute on your second power play. If someone gets injured like Oshie has this year, he can slide up on that first power play if you need him to for a few games. And he's just really familiar with this team. And, you know, I'm sure that he probably brings a little bit of a chip on his shoulder back to D.C., right? Because he got shipped out as a free agent two years before this team won the Cup. And he was part of that core that just could not get it done. And then two years later, he leaves and he sees all of his buddies skating around with Lord Stanley. I'm sure that he probably wants to have a big impact on them potentially trying to do that again. And Johan Larson, good bottom six guy, lots of size, wins a lot of face-offs, good penalty killer. Uh, he'll slide in and take somebody's spot. Carl Haglund's hurt. He's probably out for the rest of the year, I heard. So I think Johan Larson is an ideal guy to slide in there. He's also friends with Marcus Johansson. So I think that, you know, Brian McClellan is one of the smarter GMs out there and he recognizes what his lineup could use in terms of some supplements. And he recognizes, uh, you know, typically brings in guys that other people on the team are familiar with already. So overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what they did. I, I, I would have liked to have gotten a defenseman, but uh, the decor is actually pretty healthy now, which is going to help them. But outside of missing out on getting a defenseman, I'm pretty happy with what they did. Like the caps are what they are. Like at the end of the day, they're going to go as far as Backstrom and Ovechkin and Wilson feel like carrying them. Right. Kuznetsov too has had a really nice bounce back season. Finally looks like he's living up to the potential of the guy that we waited on so long. And I mean, it feels weird to say that because he did win a Stanley cup and was the leading scorer of the playoffs that year. But the last couple seasons, he was, he was shit. Right. I'll just oh, say yeah. that. He was awful for what the Caps were paying him. They were and talking now, about trading him. They were. They were absolutely talking about trading. $7.8 million. You can't be getting like high 60s in points. You came over here as a guy that was supposed to be a skilled center that could generate at least 75, 80 points, if not, for what you're paying him. And he's had a really, really nice resurgence season shooting the puck more. So overall, I'm pretty happy with the Caps and where they stand. They... They have an okay shot. I, I don't really see them going deep based on what their goaltending looks like right now. But stranger things have happened. So mm-hmm. boys can get hot in the playoffs, man. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Kadobin, Kadobin yeah. in Dallas, Anti Niemi, that first playoff run they had. You know, absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, look at the Caps. They won the other one, the Cup. I thought they had no depth. I thought they weren't going to make it. Look what they did. Yeah. yeah you just never know. So who do we think the big winners and the big losers are here at the deadline? When I think winners, I think, you know, I think the Rangers really moved the needle forward, getting Tyler Mott, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, sorry, Andrew Kopp, um, and then Justin Braun. You think about Minnesota, you know, I mean, granted, they gave up quite a bit. You know, I, I would say quite a bit of a possible first-round pick and for Marc-Andre Fleury, but also get Jacob Millet, um, Jacob Middleton. Um, so just, just to name a few, a few of the deals that went down. Like who do we feel like are the big winners and the uh, maybe the losers of the trade deadline right now? Because I if I if I if I'm you know I, I again too Detroit getting Jake Wallman, Oscar Sunquist, and a second round pick for Letty, uh, you know, kind of like you know an aging defenseman, and then yeah. Luke Wukowski. Uh, I look at Detroit did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, the Avs did a decent job, you know, improving their team. 
but if I if I'm a if I'm a guy who thinks you know if I'm gonna look to an absolute winner, I, I'm kind of veering my direction over to the Rangers. Rangers, I'd say like Chicago and Anaheim, I thought they had pretty good trade deadlines. I think they got nice returns. I mean, they got a nice haul for Hampus Lindholm. I mean, yes, they did they have to take John Moore's contract, but Erho Vakaninen should slot in for where Manson and um, and Lindholm are. I mean, they could have should have technically traded Josh Manson a few years earlier. They would have gotten a big haul, but a lot more. Yep. Oh yeah, but I mean, second and a prospect isn't bad. Um, they got a decent return in Raquel, so I mean, they are in a bit of a free fall. They're not ready yet, but they've shown strides. So what they're hoping is okay. We can build on what we have right now. You have Troy Terry. You have um. Sonny Milano, Zegris, you have Drysdale that's starting to come in. You have more prospects yeah. on the way. And um, that's what I'm thinking. I also like what Chicago did as well, especially with Brandon Hagel. You converted a oh, undrafted free uh, – like a free agent signing. I know he's a former Buffalo Sabre. I get it. Two first-round picks. Two first-round picks that's plus insane. Taylor Radish and Boris Kuchuk, who could emerge as top six. Or he was, they were never going to get a chance in Tampa. So, I mean – they, they did really well. Plus a first for Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, you're finally rebuilding instead of paying lip service to rebuilding like Stan Bowman did and then just throwing money at the wind. Um, that was what I'd say would be my winners, to be honest with you. I I, you know, I agree. Now that I think about it, you know, if in terms of moving the needle forward towards a playoff run and a cup run, I guess I would veer my, my, my winner toward a, guy, a team like a Rangers or a team like a Colorado who, yeah. or actually no Florida too. Florida I like too. what I like Tampa Bay too. Tampa Bay and yeah. Florida both did very well. Yeah, I just, but in terms of building a better team for the future, I have to agree with you on Anaheim for sure. They got a haul for Hampus Lindholm and, you know, obviously Josh Manson, you mentioned they might've gotten done a little bit better had they traded him a little bit sooner, but you know, I, I, I in Chicago too. I didn't even think of that. Like, I guess winners, winners for your cup run and then maybe winners towards based based on building a better a better team going forward in in, in the midst of a rebuild. Absolutely. Well yeah, I agree that Chicago and Anaheim are probably the ones that you would look at certainly maybe even Detroit a little bit in terms of trying to build for the future. They certainly made the most of the guys that were on their roster that teams had interest in, particularly Chicago with that haggle deal. And I mean, covering the OHL, I, I watched a lot of Radish and a lot of Kachuk. They're two guys that could absolutely impact your lineup. Radish, of course, playing on that line with Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit in Erie. That was uh, that was as good a first line as we've seen in the OHL. Dabrinkit scored 65 goals. Like That line in the OHL was, I mean, you just did not want to play them. So it's kind of cool that they all get to come back together and Kachuk. Just a gritty guy, not the biggest dude in the world, but he just does not back down. He's a little bulldog out there. Uh, I think at worst he ends up as a, a decent third liner and certainly a penalty killer. He did a lot of that in junior. Um, so I think they made out really well. But, yeah, you're right. There's a difference here. Those are winners in terms of building for later. In terms of winners for right now, yeah, Colorado, of course, Minnesota. Minnesota got the best player available. Hands down. They got the best guy available at the deadline, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. He's yep. a Hall of Fame goaltender. He's going to go down as one of the greats of his generation. He's he's a difference maker. I mean, look what he's been doing in that Chicago net with a not very good defense in front of him, and he's got pretty good numbers. Like So Minnesota... You know, not it might turn into a first, but they'll take that if they go into the final four. 
You know, they, they're, they're a team, we talked about it on the last episode, they're on the hook for $14 million in dead cap space starting next year. Mm -hmm. Time is now. The time is now. Kaprizov's out there flying around. Marcus Felino's turned into a great player there. Like, they have a good team that could do some damage. So, certainly, they're winners. Losers, right away, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know they added Giordano and Blackwell, but they wanted to do way more. They did not address their goaltending whatsoever, albeit the options beyond Flurry were not really better than what they currently have. What were the what were the Leafs supposed to do? Go and get an injured Braden Holpe? Go and get... Uh, uh, spend assets when they don't have a very deep draft pick pool. Go spend assets on a Semyon Varlamov for one year and lose him and then not have any assets there. Uh, I, I don't really know what they were supposed to do there, but they didn't really shore up their bottom six. Nope. And now they've got injury concerns with Rasmus Sandin and the Islanders. I, like, I don't really know what the Islanders are doing. Like, they didn't Y'all. do anything. They, <laughs> yeah, they I, 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 like, what, what are the Islanders They extended doing? Parise, and it's like, he's had a rough year. Like, yeah, I, right. I, I, they yeah. fell off, and I'm like, I thought they were doing well. Everyone, I, everyone had them picked it in like their futures bets as being a team that's going to contend for the cup this year. Mm -hmm. It was the complete opposite. They looked like they had things short up in net with uh, Varley and Broken uh, and – you know, they had a team that was really committed to a system of hockey that worked. And, you know, you know, it was a boring system, you know, you know. But it you know, worked. But it worked, exactly. And then you still had some very skilled players on that team. And then just to see them fall off an absolute cliff this year, it was just mind-blowing. Uh, we have a friend of mine, my buddy Katz, who is a diehard uh, Islanders fan. He just said in our group chat about five minutes ago, he goes, I am literally screaming about Lou right now. This is a fucking joke. I just don't really know what the thinking is because they're out of it this year and they've got some guys on expiring deals that they could have moved for assets, right? So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I bet you the thinking probably is after, let's be honest, they had, they're coming off two deep playoff runs, like conference yeah. finals, looking good. Barry Trotz, in my opinion, is still one of the best coaches in the league. Yep. I bet you they're thinking that this is an off year and we're going to bring everybody back and go at it again when we're healthier. And hopefully everybody who's had down years bounces back because Matt Barzal has not been very good. Zach Parise, bit strange that he gets an extension, but he's a Lou guy. Lou loves Zach Parise, lots of history there. Um, and they're hoping that Clutterbuck and Sezikis and some of those depth guys still have enough gas in the tank to go after it again. And and they had a really, really bad start to the year yeah. playing all those games on the road before their new arena, which is a beautiful arena open. I I'm sure that's probably the thinking, but to do nothing is strange there to me. Yeah. Is Giordano good enough, you know, a good enough of a move to move the needle for, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs to get past the first round? Uh, not in that division. I mean, you're, I mean, Giordano's probably a second pairing defenseman at this point in time. And their issues are mostly defensive structure and in net. Like they can't make a save and they can't hold the lead. Jack Campbell's going to be out for a couple weeks. They just waved Marashek and nobody claimed him. They wanted to throw Harry Sateri through there. But he got snagged immediately because, you know, Arizona needed a backup goalie. So who do you trust? Eric Colgren and Joseph Wool? Like you're you're they're in trouble. And this might be the deadline that gets Kyle Dubas fired. And I don't say that lightly because he's had he's they're under a lot of pressure this year, especially with like how shaky this year's been. Yeah, and I, I 
I agree. Only if they had Freddie in that. Eh, um, I mean, Freddie, like, they'd still be blaming him either way. So. Oh, yeah. It's better than <laughs> their options. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a tough one, right? And, like, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle of leaf country. And, um, yeah, people here aren't, you know, very happy. They're very excited about Giordano, a hometown guy who's, you know, a great story. This guy's undrafted. He play, mm-hmm. had to go play in the old Russian Super League. It wasn't even the KHL. Then. It was still oh, yeah. Super League. And then he comes back, you know, earns a spot out of a no-guarantee tryout at Flames Camp and turns into a Norris Trophy winner. So mm-hmm. I think that he definitely... Like, you can't say that it doesn't improve their decor. It absolutely does. Yeah, he's 38 years old. He absolutely adds something to this Leafs decor who could use more of that veteran presence and that snarl that he brings. And he's been involved in deep playoff runs. He knows what this is all about. You're right. I am interested what's going to happen. You know, everybody's talking about Kyle Dubas, and he's made some good moves, some necessary moves to try and add pieces to this team. I'm really interested if they go out in the first round again, like what does that ownership group do in terms of looking at Brendan Shanahan? He's been yep. here longer than Dubas has. And and everybody up here talked about the Shanna plan. Oh, and, yeah. And let's give them credit. They have injected a ton of high-end talent into that roster that that franchise has probably never seen before all collected in one place. At least not since that run in 93 when you had Dougie and Dave Anderchuk running around out there, right? So they're very talented. Are they winners? This is going to be a big year for them to try and prove to people that they are. How about you, Casey? Yeah, I mean, I think the rich kind of got richer these past couple days for the most part. I mean... Those top teams added guys that hopefully kind of put them over the edge. And a lot of the bottom feeders as well, they they took on some contracts they needed to and got some picks. And for the most part, I mean, the only teams that I think didn't win were the Islanders who sat on their hands and did nothing except sign some older players. And, I mean, again, I mean, we talked about Buffalo earlier, but, again, they just kind of sat back. And I think it all kind of depends on what happens in free agency and what they bring back. And they I think I think I think what happened today too was a pos- maybe a positive message towards the players in Buffalo, saying, "Hey, you know, we have some faith in this group. We want to keep moving the needle forward. You know, yeah, you want to see maybe a Colin Miller moved out for maybe a, a mid-round pick, but I guess maybe that option wasn't available. It's kind of hard to believe for me, at least, for a right-handed shot defenseman who." And Colin Miller was having a good season before he got hurt. You know, maybe the injury did play into it. Uh, and Kevin Adams just decided the, the the offers just weren't worth weren't worth you know giving a guy like Colin up. And again, a, a right-handed shot defenseman and uh, a Cody Eakin, a good face-off specialist who's a decent penalty killer. You know, maybe doesn't add him much offensively. Maybe he plays a role that's a little bit deeper in that locker room than we think. We knew we all saw that outfit. That uh, the saber the sabers wore for the Heritage Classic, the semi-pro Jackie Moon special, and apparently that was Cody Eakin's idea. He's the one that really backed that one up, and you know that's cool. You know that's you know a cool you know if the, if he does play a leadership role in the locker room and Kevin Adams really values that, then I'm I'm all behind showing those guys the support and you know letting them finish out this year as Buffalo Sabers and see what happens in the offseason. But uh, I don't see the Buffalo as losers, but I don't see them as winners either. <laughs> There's been so much turnover these past 10 years. It's kind of nice to maybe stick with a group and let them succeed a little bit. I'd say your biggest loser, too, are like the teams that kind of like did a half and half or like didn't really have a vision of what they were shooting for. 
Uh, Philadelphia were definitely big losers in this regard. I mean, you didn't have any leverage in the closure room negotiations. You only got a third for Justin Braun when Jeremy Lazon's getting a second round pick. Yeah. Um, extending Rasmus Ristolainen, I mean, you're just doubling <laughs> down on a really bad deal. And I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? How, how does this guy keep on getting paid? Because he's a name he's brand. Big, it's like big. buying a BMW, like a used dude, BMW. You get the reputation boy. of a BMW, and that's yeah. what happens. And then you, you got to take him to the shop, and you realize the, the mechanic bill is like $20,000. The Buffalo Sabres for Rasmus Lining got a first, a second, Robert Hag, which they turned into a six-round pick. That is insane to me. That's insane. From yeah. Rand. And he's not um, playing for him anymore, even better. Huh? He's not on the ice for the Sabres anymore, which is even better for him. Yeah, it's, that's addition by subtraction, man. He, I'll give it to Ras. You know, he worked his ass off, and, you know, he, you know, I will not take that away from him. But his hockey IQ is absolutely horrendous. And I've never seen a guy try and skate the puck up the middle through his own end, through through players, and just went instead of taking the easy play up the boards and out. Um, I, it used to drive me nuts, and I was so happy. I mean, the, the whole city of Buffalo was ready to celebrate when we saw the return for Ristolainen. <laughs> I mean, I'd say a few other losers too, like Dallas, Winnipeg. Like they were like kind of like halfsies in that regard. Like Dallas, like they had a few pieces they could have sold off. And John Klingberg, like he was a big piece that did not go. They could have gotten a nice return there, but they still think they can make the playoffs. And I think uh, Nil and company are thinking like if they give up, throw the talent and sell, I think they might get fired. So that's like an issue there that her hampers their long-term future. Ottawa was a weird one to me too because you traded took on Travis Hamonick's really bad contract and added a third round pick. Like, do they think it's 2018? Yeah, I I have a really hard time reconciling with what Ottawa is thinking here. And I mean, I I don't mean to rag on the guy, but it's no surprise to me that they're making moves like this after Pierre Maguire joins the organization. I mean, Pierre. He's got a bit of a reputation of thinking he's the smartest guy in the room. And, hey, mm -hmm. fair play to him. I'm not an NHL general manager, am I? I'm just some guy. But I thought um, Dorian was still in charge. Or is Maguire like he, part he of He like is. He is the, the general manager, but they've added Maguire to their hockey ops department. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certainly back in the day when he was a coach and it in failed Hartford, very, oh, he was, he was bad. It failed very miserably in Hartford. The players couldn't stand him, And you know, his involvement with Pittsburgh too. He's definitely a guy that, yeah, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and you look at his track record and it turns out he really isn't. I'll give him credit in this sense. I think he knows quite a bit about prospects and everything like that, but I don't think that he's necessarily a guy. I, uh, let me just say this. I'm glad that he's not in Washington's hockey ops department. That that's about as nice a you know assessment as I can make of his work and track record. Don't understand the Hamonic thing at all. You could have had him for free on waivers and paid the three thousand dollar fee to pick him up off waivers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what October. you need him you need him so bad now that a third round picks out the door for a team that was apparently done their rebuild oh yeah and look where they are like yeah. Uh, yeah i don't think so pierre pierre times two yeah, yeah try again it, it, it's hard to find a worse runs uh, organization you know than the buffalo sabers but i think the ottawa centers may have us beat uh, that's uh, because of a uh, certain guy up top certain eugene melnick and i think yeah. uh, the main reason why they did that 
I'm not sure what his signing bonus is because like, I feel like what he does is like he tries to get contracts that are like mostly paid so he can save money and save a few bucks. That's what happened with, uh, I think Marion Gabarik and, uh, and, uh, I forget his name. Uh, shoot, Mikhail Bodker, a couple of those contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think they're just doing that to like get to the cap floor for next year. Which it's yeah. like there are better ways you can do that. And plus, you're blocking more of your defensive prospects, which still is like, okay, you're going to play Travis Hamonic on the third pairing. Great. Uh, what's he going to do? I mean, you already have like, uh, are, are you going to trade Zaitsev? Or are you going to? Or are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, exactly. What are, what are you doing? Uh, it can be said for teams like Ottawa and the New York Islanders. Uh, thanks for hopping on with us here, Steve. We're going to wrap this up. Absolutely. Um, but, but, uh, before we go, which team do we all think really move the needle more forward most in terms of becoming maybe more of a favorite for the Stanley cup? I mean, I think the obvious choice would be probably Florida, but I think the, the avalanche did themselves, uh, you know, a great service to, you know, really making a strong playoff push. I think they're kind of on the bubble too. a team that we've expected the last two years to really make a run at it. But uh, what teams do we really feel made the best moves to really better their chances at, you know, contending for a cup this year? I really like Tampa Bay, what they did, adding Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel to that bottom six, making themselves more mm-hmm. physical, more aggressive, uh, making more of a mold towards what they were, like trying to add the new uh, Barclay Goodrow and Blake Coleman. Like they're trying to rebuild that line. And all they really did was trade prospects who weren't really going to mesh with a bottom six. There are more top six prospects, but they weren't or never going to get a shot. So that's what I feel like they did well there. And I think they're priming up for another deep run if they can. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to, to argue that Tampa Bay not having like the best uh, week right here now, but I really like what Minnesota did. I mean, they're not kind of like the, the perennial team in the NHL right now, but getting flurry in, I love the Delore pickup kind of rounding out that bottom six of them, toughening up, kind of taking a lot of the brunt off of Marcus Foligno's shoulders. And I, I really like this team. I, I think they might be able to make a run uh, once the playoffs start. They, they made a run last year. That's for sure. Uh, and I think, now you have a, a strong a duo with Cam Talbot as long as he can find his game again. And then you have Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, again, as Ryan mentioned earlier, one of the better play, uh, just not playoff goaltenders, but goaltenders of, the, of our generation that we've been able to watch you specifically, Steve there, you know, for Pittsburgh. Um, but I like, I like what Tampa's done. I, that's actually what I thought too, when they, when they brought in Nick Paul and, um, and Hagel is just like that, that, that dynamic they had and their bottom six with Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow. I think they maybe not direct replacements for those guys, but you know, they all, they, they, they play similar styles and I think they really help themselves move the needle forward. But for me, I, I still think as long as you're getting the, the, the playoff goaltending is if you're getting regular season, Bob in the postseason, I think the, the, the favorite for me for the Stanley cup hands down is going to be the Florida Panthers. Yeah. I agree. I think Florida did a lot for themselves. Getting a guy like Claude Giroux, who desperately wants a cup, came Mm -hmm. oh so close as a young guy and then never got back to that level in Philly uh, before. You know, he was essentially the third line center on that team that lost to the 2010 Blackhawks. He desperately wants to win. And he's a gritty guy, too. You know, he's not, uh, he's extremely skilled. I think people forget just how 
gritty he can be. You know, you think back to that 2013 war that they had with Pittsburgh when none of the goalies could stop oh, a puck yeah, in that, that was, series. We don't talk about that series. Yeah, either. that was uh, – We don't. I mean, as an outside fan, it was entertaining as hell, right? But he was right in the middle of that and, like, really grinding on Sid. And, um, you know, he, he wants to win. So I think that Florida did themselves a lot of favors. Tampa, of course, because they just went out and identified more guys that fit exactly what they need to complement the star players that are all about winning there. Uh, I will say, though, that, again, Minnesota, I think, inarguably – got better the most and mm-hmm. I, I mean it you add the number one guy that everybody was kind of wondering will he won't he when you add somebody and upgrade a position that significantly no disrespect to capo kakinen who's now a san jose shark and cam talbot who has had a nice little run the last couple weeks cam talbot but when you upgrade from them to flurry i think that big of a jump at a position makes you the biggest winner of deadline day. Um, but I, I think it's hard to argue that Florida and Tampa, those Floridian teams certainly addressed everything they wanted to, but Minnesota uh, of all the teams today got better the most. hundred percent. agree. And I'm still waiting, trying to find a friggin' return for Dandenoff on, uh, you know, no, it's still backed up. Like TSN so, still hasn't done it. Nice it since four sixteen. It'd been nice to get that before we signed off, but I, I tend to agree about Minnesota too. I think they, again, you can't deny what Mark Andre Fleury can provide for that team, and especially in the playoffs uh, when he's on. Man, there it's kind of wild that he won the Vesna last year and he's on his third team in a year. It's mm-hmm. bizarre. Well, yeah, I mean Vegas caught him for cap reasons. That's yeah. the reason why he got shipped off. Where they wish yeah. they wish they didn't now. That's for uh, sure. I mean, yeah. with Robin Lehner out, it's. I mean, he got done dirty there. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Flurry. Like in 2010, 2015, he was a rough goalie. Like he gave up a lot of bad goals. But I mean, in that regard, like he really rebounded his career. I mean, he won a Vezina and then you just trade him for literally nothing. Nothing. Just the cap space. Like that's, that's all you trade him for. It's just like, it's that, it's that whole picture that um, Alan Walsh had posted the year prior. Just Yeah, the DeBoer. Yeah. So. But, hey, guys, thanks for hopping on with me. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Steve, again, glad we could finally get this done. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan, thanks for sticking with me all day, man. 100%, man. You're an absolute wagon. And, uh, Gatesy, always a pleasure. I'm sure I'll talk to you later tonight. But, uh, yo, for Cully, I am Dwayne. This is our NHL trade deadline wrap-up show. Uh, thanks for joining. Make sure you follow us on uh, at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Two Goalies, One Mike, Trainwreck Sports. And of course, make sure you follow Steve at Urinating Tree on YouTube and Twitter. Guy is an absolute must when it comes to subscribing or following. His videos are absolutely amazing. One of my favorites. So uh, thanks again, Steve, for hopping on with us. Thanks, man. I pre- appreciate you having oh, me on. Thank you, then. Not a problem, guys. This has been, uh, a guess, a part two of episode 92 of Two Goalies, One Mike. Uh, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. And you guys have enjoy the rest of your night, and let's go Sabres. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies on Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? 
Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.